Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Amy Twiggs. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for listening in. We have some cool people with us. Erin McMullen is with us again. Erin, we're so glad you're here again. And then we have Rachel Garcia. And I don't know if you guys know her. I'm getting to know her a little bit, and I am just so blown away. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her today, to hear some stories, to hear what she's learning, what she's doing, but just a little glimpse into her life a little bit, because I don't know a lot. But she is um, a U.S. softball Olympic team member. Is that, is that right, from 2019? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And she was, a, a sport, she was awarded the Sportswoman of the Year for in 2019 also like these are pretty impressive did you guys hear how recent this is this isn't like 45 years ago this woman's amazing she's like it's now <laughs> like right now like right now she's a 2019 women's sports foundation sportswoman of the year she is from california grew up there she's playing for ucla right now and then aaron was just telling me that you are kind of a all-around person where you do offense you do defense you can hit home runs you can you're the pitcher, you're pretty much everything. So how do they, do they just try to clone you when you're out on the field? Like, like can we just get a few more Rachels out here? <laughs> but I started yeah. reading your accolades. Okay, tell me what you were going to say. I just interrupted you. You're fine. Um, I was just saying, I just go wherever they tell me. <laughs> right? That's kind of what you're supposed to do as an athlete. It's like your job. But tell me about your job right now. How's it going for you? It's going good. I mean, with everything going on, I'm still lucky to have access to training, um, to working out, to even giving lessons. So I've, I've been working out out here at my friend's garage. Um, I go up Monday through Friday and then I give lessons over at the lot. And then I also have the ability to train there as well. So um, just whenever I have the opportunity, I, I get the chance to go go to UCLA what are you talking about to go where to go to the to the lot um which is located out here where I live in Palmdale yeah okay so you're doing online classes you're not at UCLA right now well we actually haven't started school yet um we just ended summer school literally like a week and a half ago (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. I didn't realize that. So we're a little bit earlier over in this area. So, okay. So when do you head back to, to college? So I get my keys to my apartment this Saturday and then they're going to make me quarantine out there for about nine days. And then I can freely go wherever I want um, after those nine days are up. But due to the whole COVID in California, we're not really sure when softball or spring sports are allowed to start training and lifting and practicing so we're just going there to quarantine for our nine days um, for housing and then um, whether we want to live there or not for right now we have the opportunity to come back and forth you mean back home and because you're not going to be working you don't have a planned season yet essentially correct correct okay so this is so great what I love this timing now here's the cool thing Rachel you have been at the top of softball, it sounds like. You've been pretty much as high as you can go. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more you can learn, a lot more um, like stats that you can, you can break more records kind of thing. But you've been at the top of where most people are for softball. Is that right? Correct. Okay. With that being said, I think of all these athletes, all these clients that I work with, 
who right now don't have a planned season. Tell me how you said that you're still working out, you're still giving lessons. What keeps you motivated knowing that you may not be playing for another year? What keeps you motivated to be working out and doing things? Um, I have the Olympics to train for, so <laughs> that, that's a motivation drive already as is. Um, and honestly, just being able to watch the Athletes Unlimited uh, season go on right now, I, I think it gives a lot of people hope, um, especially with baseball going on, football, um, college football just got announced that they're getting ready to start training soon. So there's hope in all of it. And I feel like um, you have to have that self-motivation that comes from when, like inside, you can't just force it upon you. Um, and honestly, like through this whole quarantine, I was like, I do not want to gain the quarantine 15. Like I have to keep working out. I have to keep training. I have to keep my body in shape. Like that, that was already like a self motivation because I know COVID shut down so much for a lot of people and um, so much that you're limited to. I mean, luckily Palmdale, California is a desert. So there are so many trails you can go on out here. So um, there was a lot of, I mean, even, I was even going on bike rides. Like I was doing everything I can to just stay motivated, stay active um, have the opportunity to go outside and do something. And then, um, I, we moved houses kind of mid quarantine and then it was closer to this place called the lot, which is where I go. And I mean, they were still, luckily they were still opened. Um, my friend's garage had a whole gym set up. So, I mean, it was just, it was, it was good for me for during this quarantine. Yeah. So you have, you have a motivation from, you know, trying out for the Olympics again, right? And mm -hmm. if that Olympics, just do, let's just pretend that Olympics wasn't there right now, it was just college, would you still feel as motivated? Yes. Okay, um, where does that come I feel, from? Like, I feel like with all the achievements and everything that I accomplished in the 2019 season, I feel like it, you have to set your standards even higher. And not just because of the accolades that you're getting, but just because of what you did that season. So, I mean, I gave a lot of, credit to my teammates who helped me along the process and I mean it wasn't easy I mean I had a lot of adversity I had to face along with my teammates that they had to face and um, just coming together and they helped me get back onto the top of my game so just setting the standards even higher for the next year is, is always been just a goal for me. if I can interrupt like we were always taught that there's a bullseye on your back like you know the the better that the better you do, the more people are gunning for you. So mm -hmm. the harder you have to work. And softball is an unpredictable sport. You know, things can happen. Random things can happen out of the blue. It, any given any given day, any team can be beat. So that's what we were always taught. And it's amazing just to watch you. Like you know, we grew up, you know, together a little bit, like in the same league. And then you came in after I graduated and did amazing. So it's fun to watch you know, you see all that success and it's amazing that you're still helping the younger generation while you're going through, you know, training and competing. So it's amazing. Yeah. I probably said amazing five times, but it's fine. Yeah, that's <laughs> so <laughs> you guys were on the same team, same like traveling team growing up. Is that what you're talking about? Club team? No. So it was a rec ball league. So it's pretty much, it was, it was called a, it's still called ABGSA. So Adult Valley Girls Softball Association. Um, it's like a step above Little League, preparing you for travel or club ball. So we played on different ones, but 
she's my cousin's age. So I always saw her while I was watching my cousin and I'm like, this girl throws faster than me. And I'm like four years older than her, you know? So it's, I knew she was amazing and she's going to do great things from the start. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, I have some questions as far as stories. So you're a pitcher. You're an amazing hitter. Like, tell me some of the things that you love, some of the stories that you have as far as going to the Olympics, as far as growing up in Palmdale. Like, how did you get where you got? What do you love about either offense, defense, whatever you're doing? Tell us some stories about your experience in the sport. Yeah, so I feel like being a hitting pitcher is already tough as is, and you, you do get those coaches who will shoot you down and say, you know you'll never hit in college. You, you're just a pitcher. You're going to be a PO, pitcher only, and it's like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I feel like that was already a self. That was also another part where I was like, I need to prove everybody wrong that I can go to college and I can do both. I can, I can be a triple threat. I can play first base. So um, it motivated me even more. Even in, in high school, I knew my, my role was to be a pitcher and a hitter. That was my role. But I was always um, – asking if I could take reps at third base, shortstop, anywhere, just because I, I wanted the extra reps. I wanted to be prepared. I wanted, I wanted more. Um, and I feel like being a hitting pitcher, like I love both, but I will admit that I do take a little bit more pride into my hitting because it's not every day you get to see a hitting pitcher. And um, I feel like when the younger generation sees someone like me or Sam Shaw or the other hitting pitchers that are successful in college, like I want those younger girls to be like, I can do both as well. So um, I, I remember it was my, I was on California Thunder and I was just at the end of the season. Um, I think it was like end of fall or something like that. And I was told that, your your position is only going to be a pitcher and I wanted more than that and I was like I feel like this just isn't the place for me so I ended up making a change and moved to the Corona Angels I think it was like my second year tens and from there I commuted once a week at like eight o'clock at night to get down to Norco for a hitting lesson what our parents did for us I'm sorry I just how far is that have a, I want to have an idea of this because I know some people take these big long trips, sacrifice a lot of time. What does that mean as far as I don't understand those areas? So tell me what you're saying. Yeah, so from here to Norco, California is about an hour 15, maybe two hours, could be three. Just you never know on the you never know in California, yeah, like with traffic. And because it's off the 91 here in California, you never know how that freeway is going to be. So it, there could be a terrible accident, it could be wide open. Um, you, you never know what, what traffic is going to be like here in California. So once a week, I, I made the commitment and that it was so tough because you don't like, we didn't get home until midnight, sometimes one o'clock at night. And then I had to wake up at six o'clock the next day for school. So the commitment that I, I decided to choose to, to be a part of the current angels, to be in the organization, to to be a hitting pitcher on their team, it it was a big commitment that I had to make, and um, and in the end, like it was it was the right move and decision for me. And I feel like Marty Tyson was by far the best coach I have ever worked with. I mean, you can see him, and you're like intimidated by him because the way he talks. 
but at the end of the day, he's just a big giant teddy bear. Like he's just so kind hearted. He's, he cares about everyone's mental health. He cares about when we do go on outside of California tournaments, we do a little bit of sightseeing. And I remember my first time traveling to like without my parents to New York, mm -hmm. to New York city. So I was like, a freshman in high school and I was like oh my gosh I'm going on a trip without my parents for the first time mm. he was right by my side every minute of the trip because I was I was only a freshman and I was the youngest girl on the team and everybody else was juniors and seniors so I just remember how much like my mom and I'm an only kid so it was like that that little bit of separation from my parents was tough but um that that was pretty pretty fun trip and to experience with with him and the Crown Angels. So you were the youngest one on your team. Was that kind of how it's been all along when you go to the Olympics and when you go to all these big, I mean, as far as the um, Sportswoman of the Year, the LA Sports Awards kind of situation, are you finding that you happen to be one of the youngest people to get these kind of awards? I'm just curious. Yes. <laughs> I, I do find myself being one of the youngest. So you're breaking some records, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what it feels like when you've broken another record. You're probably going to be beating your own records eventually now, right? You're just going to be trying to beat your own records at this point. What does it feel like when you're working to, to see what else is possible for you? When you know that you want something, like you wanted to be a, a hitter pitcher, you didn't want to be told that you were just going to be one or the other, That's that you have more in you. Knowing that you're kind of at the top, like I was saying right earlier, what are you doing to be even better now? What, what are your goals now? Because a lot of people think, well, I'm at the top. Is there really a top, even in softball? Is there a top? My goal is to find, like for me, every time a season ends, I always look back onto my successes and what my weaknesses were. Um, and I always want to improve those weaknesses. So for me, my goal this year is, yes, I do have a drop, but it's not, it's not very successful pitch for me, but I mine was mine wasn't either. When I threw, I was like, I'm a rise ball pitcher. I'll try my best, but my body likes to go back. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. My body position does not want to go forward. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I just remember, like at the beginning of the women's Olympic tour for the stand beside her tour, like my mindset was already in the bullpen of I'm throwing drop and change today, and I'm not going to throw a single curve or a single rise. Um, and it was tough. Like I had to change my grip, like the amount of times I've changed my grip on, on the ball is ridiculous, but, um, finding the right one, finding the right release. It, it was, I feel like it's paid off, but now I feel like I need to just master it now. I, I have the grip. I have the spin. I have, all, have it all. I just need to figure out how to master it now and throw it with confidence. So I, I've been setting like minor goals in the process to develop to, to get the bigger picture in, in the end. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it took you a while to get to the point where you feel like, you know what, I have exactly what I need now. Because it sounds like you probably had what you needed when you were at the Olympics. You would think you did. But just for people listening, I want you to hear this, for me too, for all of us, that you, you get to a point where you find something that you feel really, you, you knew there was something more and you found what you need. Now you've got to master that. I love that you said that. So apparently there's still a lot more in you. You still have a big way, a, you know, a, a, a big gap from here to where you're going to be going because you've have, you've taken the time 
to fail at a lot of different grips, a lot of different spins, a lot of different stances, a lot of different whatever things that you guys are saying. I'm trying to catch up with some <laughs> vocabulary, right? Picture lingo. <laughs> yes, yes. You figured out with the last however many years what works best for you, and you've taken the time to do it. Because a lot of times we get in a hurry of, well, I know this works, I'll just do this. Well, it sounds like you've been willing to fail a little bit to figure out the grip and figure out the spin. And now when you say, now I just have to take the time to master it, that's exciting, right? That's where the excitement comes because you know there's so much more, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So see what's possible for you now that you've found what, what you were looking for. And now you're just begin, you're gonna begin, I guess, fine tuning it to make it so that people can just be blown away and you can be blown away by your own talent. So. Mm -hmm. I'm a big quotes person. So when she said that, when she was like, I look back on my weaknesses throughout, you know, the season and make them my strengths. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Lisa Fernandez, her coach at UCLA has said that. So I'm just like, that's amazing how, you know, she gets to play for Lisa Fernandez, who is also an amazing Olympian who played with coach Berg. Um, we had her on our podcast, you know, about a month ago. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's important to see what needs to be worked on because as an athlete, there's always something that you could be learning and that you could be doing to, to better your game going on. So that's, yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Thanks, Erin. I think that's really interesting. Just, just like everybody's saying is that there is always something more there. I love the idea that, the idea that there's just, there's always something more to master in your sport. There's nobody who has mastered it all. And I love that you said that you would just want to go into any positions just so you could master those positions in case you ever wanted to pop in or be a backup or just for fun, whatever the purpose was. I think it's mm -hmm. really interesting to see you're at a level where you don't have to. People know that they can expect greatness from you, but you know that there's still more to come. And that's what's kind of fun for all of us who are listening to you is to see what else you have to surprise everybody with, right? So I'm curious about the Olympics. Tell us a little bit about, about that experience. What was it like for you? I actually have not been yet, oh, but... Right. Yeah, so it was supposed to be this year in, in Japan, but because of COVID, it got canceled. So then they pushed it to 21. Okay. So I'm super excited for it. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did get to do the Pan Am Games. So that was cool. That was totally different for me. It was, it was like a mini Olympics, but um, the just the whole thing like you get to see other athletes not just softball like you got to see men's and women's track and field you got to see baseball you got to see all like you got to see a lot of different sports on there and um there's this little hangout room in in our building where we could go down to to just hang out watch movies get coffee um you got and you got to meet other athletes in the process so i thought that was really cool yeah that is, that's really exciting. Okay, another thing I want to ask you, Erin, I don't know if you want to jump in there, but I do have a, a lot of questions in my head as you're going. Tell me about a couple of these coaches that you just threw out at, as, like I, I should know them. I know I probably should. But tell me how you said that they worked on your mindset. You said like a Marty Tyson, your coach Marty Tyson, I think is some, a name that you threw out there. And he sounds like he must have been amazing. What are some of the things that he did for you and your team as far as your mindset? He taught us how to compete and um, he wasn't about going out there to win. He was out there to, to get his girls showcased, to get them into college. And that was ultimately his goal. And um, it was a tough process. I remember the first time I met him, he came into my house and I was like little 10 year old, didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. 
comes in here and he throws all these papers onto the floor and he's like, pick 10 schools. And I was like, what? Like 10 schools? Like, I don't even, and I started naming teams that were in the Women's College World Series that year. And I was like, well, I guess here and I guess there. And all my schools were SEC. They were like Florida, yeah. um, Auburn, you know, all these crazy schools out yeah. there. And you yeah. stay on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, you threw out schools that you watched on TV and I think I threw out whole University of Hawaii, too. <laughs> Me, too, when I was going through that. I was like, let's go play on an island. I'll be at the beach a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, right then and there, I was already like, oh, my gosh, this guy's, like, dedicated. He's he's committed. Like, who who goes out of their way to recruit a 10-year-old out of Palmdale, California? Like, that was running through my mind, too. Is like, am I really going to go to college and make it this far? Am I going to be – at a D1, am I going to get a full scholarship? Like that, that was what was running through my mind as he's telling me to pick all these schools. And then in the process, I'm like, well, what do I even want to be when I grow up? Like, there's so much to choose from. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's crazy to think about when you're that young. But um, since then, he made it fun, right? Yeah, I don't want to like be interrupting. But no, he did make it fun for you. He's I, I played against him. So I was on SoCal 3D um back in the day way way before Rachel was, you know when we played each other I played the older division but he's very his energy is very contagious he seems like he gets the girls fired up and they feed off of that and that's why they're successful and have you know competed in all these crazy good tournaments is because he's dedicated he's there he's there for the girls um and he has like major connections to different universities around the nation so Right. That's amazing. And so when you were stressed on your team or when you had down days, because we all have those, or when we were just, when you weren't playing your best, what, what kind of a coach? It's really fascinating because people who are listening are coaches, they're parents, they're athletes. And sometimes we like to blame each other for anything that's not going well. What kind of a coach was Coach Tyson in those moments when you were having off days and off seasons and off times? Maybe you never had an off season, but off days off games what what happened how did he help you out um even then even when you're not on your your game like he always said like you are like you're fighting for your position and you're not always going to have those perfect days but you have to give a hundred percent into whatever you're feeling that day so like if I'm having like a 50 50 percent day like I have to make sure I'm giving a hundred percent into that 50 percent because I'm fighting for a position on the team I'm fighting for for that pitching spot I'm fighting for that DH spot like you want you have to stay like no even if you are down like you have to be fully engaged into what you're doing you have to really pay attention you have to like I mean there's been you can't take a playoff like the, yes. the laser focus has to be there in college coach Simpkins would always say you know this player is good because they don't take a playoff they don't check out mentally check out they're all in no matter what so yeah crucial yeah and I feel like too he he was big on like the the college fitness test so he his daughter Tyson and Donna they all played in, in college so they came back and they they all said well this was my fitness test and we all we all did the fitness test test multiple times different ones and I remember it was like 110 degrees out in Norco California and I almost thought I was going to pass out, but it's like the mindset he, he sets up for you in college is, is what makes you successful. Yeah, it sounds like it. 
That's amazing. It's so great to be able to kind of look back and realize, like you said at the beginning, it's not just me who gets to these places. There's a lot of people who support you and help you to get to where you're at. That's for all of us, for everybody, right? And when mm-hmm. you recognize those who have helped you with your mindset and have helped you with your motivation and have helped you with your goal setting at the age of 10, which 10 colleges are we looking at here? <laughs> and I do have a question about that. Um, a lot of a lot of parents will say, isn't that a lot of pressure for a 10-year-old? Isn't that hard to feel like you have to make decisions like that at a young age? What would you say to that, Rachel? I would say, yes, it is stressful, but in the big picture, you do have to start thinking about where you want to go if, if you want to be fully committed into the sport. Um, I mean, UCLA was my top choice, and somehow, some way, I, I just blossomed into this big, um, successful pitcher in travel ball and, and in high school, but I wasn't sure if that was going to carry on to college. And I just remember Marty always like telling me like, you're going to master that changeup. And I'm going to tell this batter right now, like you're throwing changeup and, or he'd be like, you're throwing a curveball. Like you curveball is your best pitch. Why aren't you throwing it for a strike? Like he, he would do that stuff in games. And it's like, why am I not throwing it for a strike? Like, I, I know I'm better than this. Like he, he gets your mind going and he makes you just a better person on the field. Like he, he puts that competitiveness into you when you're, when you're going, getting ready to go into college. And also I think uh, for both of us, Heather Meyer played a key part because she coached both of us in um, probably since we were really little. I know I had her coach me for 12, 15 years probably, but she has coached and competed at that level, won a world series. So she's been there. And I think that for me, she really got down to like our level, you know, when we were really young to make it fun and to make it worthwhile to learn. So she was there along with our parents. Like I'd probably, and your dad probably has bruises on his shins to this day, (laughs) you know, when we're pitching in that cement warehouse or wherever we were. But I think it just all, for both of us, it came full circle. We listened to our parents you know they supported us the whole way they saw the potential in us and didn't want to see us ever you know get too down on ourselves and I think that it starts in the family to be honest it starts in the family and then that um those values get uh trying to find the right word for it but they reflect into how we play and how we interact with our teammates our coaches and it's just fun because now we competed in college and you're going, you know, to play in the Olympics. And that's something that is incredible. So, yeah. Love it. Well, thanks, Erin. It's awesome. Okay, Rachel, there's a couple, a a couple more things I just want to ask. And I love it that Erin's here to kind of fill in a little extra with, because you guys have a very similar background in some ways. I mean, you have very different talents, different experiences, but some similar coaches, similar, similar, I guess, um, areas that you've competed in. So I know that you've had some trials in your competitive days. Tell us about one of your biggest obstacles first. Let's just do that first. Tell us about one of the biggest, the hardest things for you with softball. Yeah. Um, my biggest obstacle is my last senior, senior year, last, uh, softball game, CIF championship. First time Highlands ever made it to the championship game. We were 
13 innings in and we were five minutes away from being called co-champs and first warm-up pitch blew out my knee that this is before was, you went to UCLA this was right well so I made the junior Olympic uh, junior Olympic team for USA mm -hmm. and the next day I was supposed to be going out to to go to training camp so I, that was like my first foot into the door with you with USA and I didn't even get to play with Corona Angels that year because I was on the on the juniors national team and we were traveling everywhere doing all these tournaments but that day that I tore my ACL I didn't even know I, I just thought it was dislocated I didn't even realize it I mean I've never had major injuries in my life and to me I thought it was like oh it's nothing like it just needs to get popped back into place type of thing. And I, I remember being carried off the field with dad and, and coach Doug Harmon and just bawling my eyes out because I was like, oh my gosh, like I was, I'm supposed to leave tomorrow for USA. And now I have to make the phone call of, I can't make it. Like, I don't know what's going on until I get imaging done. And my initial my, my first initial appointment after my imaging was you just tore your meniscus. It's a bucket handle tear. And so a bucket handle tear is when it tears from like top to bottom type thing. And it actually ended up flipping in front of my ACL. So there was no image of my ACL until they physically were able to go in and, and oh. check it out. So they my knee hurts me. just thinking about it. Like yeah. the way I knew, like I knew it was bad, but like the way that you're putting the graphic details in there, I'm like, okay, that makes my knee hurt and I'm sitting, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah. So in my mind too, of being told that, so I'll, I'll finish the, the first doctor's appointment. So I, I go in and I get my, my surgery scheduled, everything is set up. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, it's just for meniscus. I can, I can bounce back from this right away. And, um, come out of that come out of that surgery and I'm I'm still loopy I'm out of it and I'm in and out from what the doctors are saying and I I wake up and my parents told me that there is a torn ACL well actually there, there is no ACL I shredded my ACL and they couldn't fix it because of how much damage was, was already done into my knee so I ended up having to stage my surgeries so I got my surgery my first surgery down here at um in Lancaster at the hospital and then moved into C-Session summer school at UCLA. My very first day I was on, I was in a wheelchair getting carried like chauffeured around because I didn't know where my classes were. Oh my goodness. And, yeah. So well, UCLA I, is a huge campus. It's like, yeah, not it, some... it is. <laughs> so, um, they told me that I could not get my ACL surgery until I got my, my knee at a zero degree angle and, or extension. And I was in the training room for six hours, like three hours before class and then three hours after class. It was mm -hmm. in every single day, Monday through Friday. And then um, Friday around four o'clock, you know, right when traffic hours hit, I, my parents would come and pick me up just because they knew I was getting a little homesick, was injured. So um anyways got through the first got through the first uh couple weeks of c set or c session and then finally i i was able to schedule my acl surgery and that was the worst pain i've experienced like 
third day off of the nerve block, I was in tears. I was like, please give me another nerve block. Yeah. Like just the, the pain and the blood rushing through. It was, it was brutal, but I still like the next day after my ACL surgery, I was already in the training room, bending my knee at a 90 degree angle. Like I, I was in the mindset of, I'm going to get back to where I was and I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to push my body. So to do it. And well, the, the trainers then were like, they're amazing. I remember, you know, I'd have minor nothing, you know, I didn't tear my ACL or anything, but the technology and the resources that are the trainers had at that level and all levels that I've experienced, like they, they help you like stay grounded and like, no, you're going to do this. And then, but you have to believe yourself that I'm going to do this. I'm not going to, you know, think about it while I'm pitching. I'm going to trust that they're getting me better. I'm getting myself better and we're going to rock and roll. And that's what you did. So. Yeah. And I just, I remember I, I've had, I've had three surgeries on that knee and I trained myself up to a point where I was like, I was on schedule to play my freshman year on track right after, I think it was like the preseason, I was getting ready to go back in, but then I started developing another knee pain and I was like, this is weird. Like why it almost felt like I pulled a muscle and then I go back in to see the doctor and he's like, well, I think we need to go back in and scope it. And sure enough, I, I tore my meniscus again retort because I was pushing my body too too much mm -hmm. and so that was the the deciding factor of I was just gonna register my freshman year and just take my time because I I knew that that already re-injuring myself was already too too much to to take in so I just told my parents I sat down with them and and I felt like it was just the right decision that when you, when you do get injured, like really listen to your body, because I mean, you can sit here and, and do all the, all, all that you can to make sure that you, you're getting healed up, but you need to just listen to your body of what it's telling you. Because if I, if I didn't take the time to make sure that I was ready, I feel like I wouldn't have been where I am today. And you were ready emotionally for the next step. It sounds like you needed your own space, which is weird because sometimes we hear what other people tell us and we want to do what they say. But like you said, I think listening to yourself is one of the most important things that most athletes just keep moving instead of slowing down for a second and going, wait a second, maybe we need a space for a minute. Just to we're, just, we're just caught up in, you know, college, you know, in itself is where softball is, it's crazy. The amount of time that you put into it and, but then you're also having to make sure that you're keeping up with your classes to keep that grade point average up to play. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot on your mind. There's a lot on your mind. And there's some points where you're like, Oh my gosh, like, how am I going to get through this? But it's, it pays off when you do, because then you could tell stories like this to help the younger generation who might go through similar things. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, I have one more story I wanted to tell. What was the greatest thing because you stayed? Because you could have quit. You, could, you had plenty of reasons to quit, right? Because you chose to keep going forward and to give yourself some space, a retro year. Tell me the greatest moment since then that you can think of. It was the 2018 season leading up to the 19 season. Um, I mean, we were just one, like, I, I feel like since my redshirt freshman year, my 
redshirt junior year. I can't believe I'm going to say I'm a sixth year now, but um, just leading up to, the, to that moment, it was like, we're, we're one game closer. We're one game, like, it, it just was like, we're going to get it this year. And then sure enough, we get one game closer and then we get knocked out. So just the moments leading up to the 2019 season was, was probably the best part because you, you get to learn from the years prior to, to what it feels like to be at the Women's College World Series, to face those, the top-notch teams and to play Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma in Oklahoma. It was like just the leading factors up to it. And I mean, there's a lot of adversity, not just that I face, but your entire team faces. And I feel like a huge part in being successful in the 2019 season and winning the College World Series, which is my best moment in my college career, um, was having a team psychiatrist with us whenever we needed it. He traveled with us to the World Series. I mean, UCLA was in was in finals week as championship games were going on. So it's like everyone else gets to focus only on softball, but the rest of us have to focus on finals, making sure we're passing. And on top of it, oh my gosh, we have to face University of Oklahoma. We have to beat them twice to, to win the World Series. So it's like, you have so much on your plate when you're at the World Series being at, being at UCLA. So it's, it, it was a big factor of, of having that team psychiatrist with us that, that mentally prepared us. He was like, we would have our three-hour study hall, and then we would have our hour session with him of like, all right, well, we just finished class. By the way, how was class? All right, now we're going to transition to what are you all feeling right now? Then from there, we would be like, all right, well, what's the next step? What, what are we doing to prepare for, for the championship game? What are we, what are we feeling? How, how, how is everyone's minds focusing and preparing for this? So mm -hmm. I, I feel like that was a big factor in the success of, of UCLA softball was how we mentally prepared before these games, especially knowing that we have to transition from a study hall to – to getting ready to warm up for the world tour. I love that. Wow, that's amazing. Rachel, thank you. Thank you for all of your stories. Thank you, Erin, for coming on here with us. I love that you have all these amazing friends, connections. Rachel, do you mind, is there anything that you could offer to the athletes who are struggling today or coaches or parents, any of them, that could just maybe help them get over some of these hard times, the things where they don't know if they're going to have another season. They don't know if they're a senior this year wondering, are they going to get recruited? We all have hard times like you just shared with us. And then we have moments of that was all worth it because look at this, look where I've come. Do you have any tips that have helped you or anything you can leave for, for the listeners today? I would say take a, take a step back and just pull yourself together. Take that, take that however long you need. I mean, for me, this whole quarantine has been a, a, a break. It's been a step back for me. Um, especially knowing that I don't know if there's going to be a, a 21 softball season at UCLA. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play my senior year at college, but I'm going to make every bit of it as fun as possible. I mean, this is my senior year, so I'm going to experience all that I can, if, even if we're limited to like this much. Um, I'm going to find the positives in, in the process. Um, I would say don't focus on the negatives um, having that negative mindset will bring you down. So just find all the positives in, in this. Um, and for me, it, it's been spending time with family. I got to make a Colorado trip to see my little cousin play softball for the first time. 
I'm sure that helped your endurance a little bit because that thinner air up there. <laughs> I'm like, we got to train really hard before we go there. My pitches might move faster, but my lungs need to acclimate. So. Yeah, de yes, definitely. But I, I feel like you just need to find the positives in all of this. So thank you. And I love that you said, even if you're just giving a little bit, find the positive in a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. We sure appreciate having you on here. And guys, I hope you kind of follow her. I can't wait to see what she does with that spin and that grip that she's discovered so far that she's going to start mastering so she can blow us all away with the things that are still inside of her for this next year. And we'll just keep an eye on you. We're excited. Thank you, Rachel. Of course. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.